Welcome back to the Illinois Agronomy Update. I'm your host, Troy Kazire with Hertz Farm Management here in Geneseo, Illinois. And today we've got Kevin Gale with us. Kevin is a regional sales agronomist with AgriGold. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Troy. You bet. Absolutely. Um, Kevin, why don't you take a couple minutes, if you would, tell us a little bit about your, your background and, and kind of what your role with AgriGold there entails. Sure. Um, I'm Kevin Gale. I'm a regional agronomist that covers basically the northern half of Illinois, you know, from Champaign through Bloomington, Gillsburg area, up to around Route 30 in, in Illinois. Um, I've also got a little bit, bit of um, support going up the state line as well. Um, but my duties with the company is, uh, number one, a product agronomist, you know, selecting products for, for future deployment but also uh, in-field sales support with the salesman that I, uh, I work with. All right. Very good. Well, again, we appreciate you taking the time to visit with us today. And, and what we wanted to kind of talk with you about, Kevin, was sort of the planting outlook. Uh, guys are, are getting ready. Obviously, we've got quite a bit of rain coming, and, and uh, it's going to be probably two, three weeks yet, I'm sure. But, but uh, a lot of guys are thinking about planting and, and – uh, we want to start talking about some of the things that really need to be top of mind as we as we get those planters rolling. So um, to start off with, why don't we just talk, and I know guys have already, they've already done this, but let's talk a little bit about hybrid selection and, and placement and how important that is. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I think spring is here, but it certainly doesn't feel like it here today. Mm. Uh, this is a great time to uh, be focused in on planting plans. I think hybrid selection is one of those things that's uh, really important. Um, you know, knowing hybrids, how they react environments, you know, emergence capabilities, all that's really important to uh, give you adequate plant stands and optimum yield potential season long. You know, knowing disease capabilities of these products are ex extremely important as well. Um, how they handle specific diseases, how we need to manage these products uh, is all very important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, obviously having those conversations with your um, with your sales, you know, your salespeople or and, and with your, your local agronomists, uh, extremely important when you think about where you're going to be placing these products. <clears throat> so let's move a little bit to you know planting the the you know the, the the planters themselves as we think about um you know planting the crop and and doing what we can do to prepare the seed bed and get good stand establishment you know even emergence those kinds of things are, are really pretty important so what uh what, what are you telling guys this time of year yeah we we know the planting pass is the most important pass we make uh for entire growing season you know really sets sets the stage for optimum yields and uh, cold stand establishment is really important. You know, the whole goal, goal of planting is to achieve uniform emergence. And really, it comes down to uniform soil temperature, uniform moisture. And obviously, planting that seed at optimum planting depths is extremely important. So when I start thinking about uh, setting, our, setting the stage for uh, corn stand establishment, we need to make sure our planter is set up correctly. You know, going through, doing the maintenance across that planter, making sure it's set up the best it can be when we go to the field. But we also need to be looking at row by row maintenance as well. You know, starting at the front of the, 
planner and moving your way through the meters all the way back to the closing system in general. You know, the whole goal is to try to maximize the rooting environment, right? Uh, number one, we don't want to plant wet. Um, we want to maximize our potential for our rooting environment because we don't know what the year is going to bring. You know, especially as you think about conditions today in the West, extremely dry. You know, in Northwest Illinois, we're in a moderate drought currently. And obviously with a dry start last year, that's a concern. What about the wet conditions down south that we're having? You know, that could definitely limit rooting environment. So making sure our planter is set up is extremely important. You know, I started thinking about um, residue management. I think that's extremely critical. You know, we want to make sure our row cleaners are set appropriately to clear residue out of the way, getting claws out of the way. Because I think that is a big hindrance to even emergence is the residue uh, that can hairpin in that row. And it creates hairpinning, um, poor seed to soil contact, and eventually it's going to lead to less than desirable stands overall and ear count. When you start thinking about down pressure as well, I mean, obviously we got some uh, technology available that helps uh, adjust your down pressure on the go, which is great technology. Uh, but we do make sure we don't have too much down pressure, especially in a wet environment, to cause hatchet roots that can limit uptake of water and nutrients later in the season. I think that's really important too in, in no-till, um, you know, cold soils, that type of environment um, can really affect some of the nutrient uptake like we, like we saw last year with potassium across the northern tier of Illinois that were, was in a drought. And then obviously when you start moving to the back of the planter, I think your closing wheels are really important as well. Number one, it needs to be centered over the row. Um, and number two, we need to be checking behind the planter to make sure these closing wheels are doing its job as far as pressing um, that soil around that seed so we don't leave air pockets. You know, I've, I've dug behind a lot of planters in the past that uh, we definitely have some air pockets um, that affected overall seed emergence. Um, I think that's something we do need to do a better job checking behind the rows making sure these seeds are tucked into soil adequately for optimum stand establishment. And the last thing I just want to mention from a corn stand establishment uh, perspective is we want to make sure we're trying to plant into a warming trend. You know, looking at that forecast is extremely important. You know, if we see a warming trend where temperatures continue to climb, we want to be on the front end of that. Even if the soil is a little bit cooler at that stage, if we're going to continue to warm up over several days, that's a but much better scenario than trying to plant at the highest temperature right in front of a cold front where soil temperatures 10 to 15 degrees. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of, a lot of good information there. And, and certainly, you know, as you think about corn in particular with, with planting populations, the optimum planting populations, you know, increasing over the years, uh, that even spacing is is becoming more and more important and then of course even emergence uh getting those plants up at the same time you, you know those plants that maybe come up a couple days later never can catch up and and uh and and can really really have a negative impact on yield so taking the time to make sure that plant is set up properly can certainly pay dividends uh, absolutely yep yep so let's uh let's move to to the crops you know specifically let's start with soybeans um 
you know, there's, I, I think guys are paying a little bit more attention to, to soybeans now compared to what they used to, especially with prices uh, being where they're at. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's uh, some, some potential profit here with, with soybeans that uh, we want to make sure we're not leaving out there in the field. So what are you, you know, what are you telling guys when they ask about, you know, maximizing soybean yield potential going into planting season? Yeah, I think uh, soybeans have uh, become a lot more profitable here over the last couple of years. Uh, when you start th- talking about 14 or 16 $17 beans, uh, that can be very profitable. And we want to raise the most bushels we can. You know, when you start thinking about growers choosing to plant soybeans first, I think more and more growers are catching on that that's uh, an easy way to increase yield is just by planting earlier. Take, for instance, last year, I think Illinois as a whole, we were 41% planted on soybeans by May 1st, which is uh, a record pace. So more and more growers are thinking about planting soybeans first. And I think that really did coincide with our record um, soybean yields for the state of Illinois uh, at 64 bushels for a state average. So there is merit to planting soybeans early if conditions allow. Even if soils are cooler than normal, or a little bit on the wetter side, I'd rather plant soybeans than I would corn. I think soybeans have a, a better ability to handle some of them conditions. And it's been proven across um, multiple universities, a lot of trials conducted over several years showing that early planting has benefited the, the, the soybean crop. Why? You're just allowing that crop to have a longer reproductive stage. You know, we're, we're, we're setting more flowers earlier in the year. We're filling pods over an extended period, and we're getting more nodes as well. So overall, that leads to potential for higher yields. Of course, uh, there is a frost or a freeze risk with soybeans. Uh, We saw that last couple of years. You know, that Mother's Day freeze event we had last year did affect some soybeans, specifically if you had a lot of residue around those beans that was insulating the soil. But more years than not, we're going to have more benefit by planting soybeans early if conditions allow. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. I, the one thing I would add to that um, is with these, you know, as, as soybeans get planted earlier and earlier, uh, weed management becomes a little bit more challenging. And and I think some guys have gotten caught off guard by that a little bit. So uh, make sure you take time to, to again, talk with your local agronomist about uh, may, maybe making some adjustments in that weed control plan if you're going to be pushing the, that soybean planting really early. Uh, make sure that you're uh, you're taking care of those that weed competition. Yeah, that's right. I think herbicide management is extremely important on the soybean front, um, you know, especially if you have extended uh, growing seasons. You know, we need to make sure we're laying residuals, you know, multiple uh, uh, group 15 products to help control water hemp. Don't let that seed uh, emerge. I mean, obviously, if a water hemp can't emerge, it's not going to cause a problem. And it's going to reduce the uh, need for those post herbicide application uh, products that may be limited this year or just high priced in general when you start thinking about Roundup or or Liberty itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's transition over to corn. And I know, you know, one thing that's at top of mind when we start thinking about, you know, going into planting season with corn, and that's nitrogen management. 
um, you know, and, and particularly with the, with the cost of nitrogen, uh, where it is right now, um, what, uh, you know, what, what are you advising guys when it comes to, to managing that nitrogen? Yeah, I think nitrogen is extremely critical. You know, that's one nutrient that we can't grow crops without or corn crops without. Um, and obviously with higher prices, it really provides incentive to manage your nitrogen applications. I remember last year, uh, we had extremely wet growing season here in the West Central, Central Illinois area, and nitrogen loss was quite apparent in a lot of cases, especially if you had all your nitrogen on up front. Um, so I, I think that's going to really allow us to start thinking about being more efficient with the product that we put out there, you know, trying to put as close to that plant as possible, you know, whether you band it, put it on with a planter, uh, or wide dropping, those type of, uh, options are available to be more efficient with, with nitrogen. But more importantly, I think we just need to think about reducing the potential for loss. You know, so applying that product closer to crop utilization is going to be moving forward, utilizing stabilizers or even split applying if you haven't already uh, adapted that uh, process. Yep, absolutely. Um, and but I, I know there's been a lot of fall nitrogen applied. Uh, a lot of growers are able to lock in a cheaper price for fall ammonia, but realize the need that we're still going to need some UAN up front at a adequate concentration to get this crop off to a quick start especially in a corn on corn environment or if conditions are a little bit cooler or no-till we're still going to need that nitrogen up front to get that crop off to a, a rapid start yeah I, th I think there's a lot to be said for front loading that nitrogen um uh when you when you take a look at you know what we've seen over the last few years um getting getting the bulk of that nitrogen on up front is uh, you know is is has really been critical to to maximizing yield potential right i mean we we just saw a lot of uh nitrogen loss symptoms out there last summer with excessive rain starting the end of june through july and we knew we we're going to run out of nitrogen and and those fields that we did run out of nitrogen obviously led to some more stalk rot uh stalk standability issues in the fall yep absolutely let's kind of segue into you know just fertility in general um you know we, we, we think about man you know uh, watching our ph you mentioned potassium or we saw you know a lot of potassium deficiencies especially on those end rows where we have a little more compaction um uh and and you know the the we don't quite get the we don't quite get the full rate spread on the outer edges of the fields right um really saw some some potassium deficiencies show up last year so um let's just talk fertility in general a little bit and what are you uh what are you telling guys to pay attention to i mean when you start thinking about fertilizer cost last year uh it, it's it's amazing how high fertilizer has gone you know so overall we need to really understand what our true needs are for fertility in our fields and to know that we really need a soil test we got to have a a recent soil test to know exactly what we need to apply and i guess the first thing that comes to mind when you think about soil tests is ph you know the, the whole goal of our uh, soil test is trying to determine what our ph is and getting that um, ph to the appropriate level to release nutrients to the crop. 
So if you're getting in that, uh, you know, six, five to six, eight range, I think that's going to be pretty optimum for a pH. Um, that will give you the most release of your uh, macronutrients like phosphorus and potassium. You know, a few other things uh, with, with soil testing, um, you know, just determine what your needs are. And then if, if you do have fields that require a lot of, of fertility, you know, maybe thinking about a, a banding approach, you know, try to build efficiency with the product, put it more concentrated band closer to that root system might be critical to uh, increase yield potential. But also we need to know what our crop removal is. You know, we know what our, our yields are coming off these fields. You know, think about your crop removal and uh, replace what that, that field is, is taken off. Okay, so as we think about optimum levels uh, of those soil tests, uh, Kevin, where you know, what do you shoot for? Do you do you worry about you know? Th does that change with the the, the cation exchange capacity, or um, you know, what are you what are you what are you recommending to guys? Yeah, when I start looking at optimum soil test levels, you know, if if I got a soil test level of fifty to sixty pounds of phosphorus, or three hundred fifty or four hundred pounds of potassium. I think we're sitting in pretty good shape, you know, as far as providing enough nutrients to that crop for a year or two without applying additional nutrients. However, if we get in environments where we're uh, limited with root structure or dry conditions like we had in northern Illinois with drought, um, you know, potassium or phosphorus may still be needed in those fields to maximize yields. So I, I'm a believer in a, applying fertility in front of crop every year um, obviously it spreads out the fertilizer we're, we're applying and it also spreads out the cost of, of where we're applying as well um, but overall the higher cec soils typically will provide more nutrients to that crop uh, versus low low testing soils okay so let's finish up uh, as we, again, as we're thinking about planting season, um, uh, what about, you know, what about insects? You know, we think about corn rootworm uh, management. We think about uh, maybe some, well, let's, let's start there. Let's start with corn rootworm. Yeah. A uh, corn rootworm, you know, typically that pressure comes and goes, you know, we've seen a roller coaster uh, scenario over the last 20 years of corn rootworm. You know, and I think the pressure overall has really started to climb again here in the last couple of years, 2020, 2021. And we need to be cognizant of that pressure that we have in our fields. And we have to be diligent in scouting and managing that pest to the best of our abilities, especially on corn on corn acres. Um, when you start thinking about growers in northwest Illinois, um, they like to grow corn. They're growing several years of corn on corn. And typically when you start using the same trait year after year after year, we're going to start building up populations to that trait or that protein. So switching up modes of action is going to be extremely important. Maybe utilizing an insecticide in these heavy pressure soils may be warranted as well as you start thinking about 2022 planting. And overall our winter has not been cold enough to really take a lot of our corn root and pressure away. I mean, overall, it's going to be rainfall that we have. 
between now and in June. You know, that's going to dictate our survivability of corn rootworm eggs and, and how many actually hatch. But overall, I think corn rootworm is an insect that we need to pay attention to, uh, especially on corn on corn acres. But we're also starting to see some rootworm pressure in some bean fields as well. We start thinking about the northern corn rootworm showing up in some fields. That can lead to extended diapause, where you start seeing beetles lay eggs in cornfields. They don't hatch the first year. They hatch a second year when corn's planted again in rotation. Also, we got to think about weed management when you start thinking about corn rootworm as well. You know, number one, volunteer corn. I know there's a lot of down corn in 2021, and that volunteer corn, if left uncontrolled, can be a host to that corn rootworm and allow it to survive for that following crop. So I think controlling volunteer corn is going to be critical. Um, if you had heavier rootworm pressure in some of these fields and also water hemp. You know, water hemp can be a trap crop for corn rootworm because obviously they're attracted to pollen. So controlling your weeds is going to be actually important as well when you start thinking about 22 management practices for corn rootworm control. So, yeah, and, and bringing up weed management, that, uh, that, that kind of leads into, as we think about a lot of guys, you know, doing cover crops now, um, that, that sort of changes the game too. When we think about early season insect management and, and, and going into the season, um, you know, things like cutworm and armyworm, you know, depending on where you're at geographically, uh, that can, you know, those cover crops can, can be a host for those kinds of things as well. Yeah, Troy, I think we need to stay in tune with our migratory um, progress of some of these adult moths, whether it be fall armyworm or black cutworm coming up from the south. But cover crop fields could be definitely a, a prime candidate to scout and make sure we don't have a heavy pressure like we saw last fall. I mean, armyworm came up and decimated uh, some fields out there, some uh, uh, pastures. Definitely a concern out there. We can have that same problem occur here with cover crops. If we don't terminate that crop soon enough, we just got to be good stewards and continue to scout our fields uh, to maximize our, our stand establishment and overall yield potential in 22. Yeah, scouting program, extremely important. Um, well, Kevin, a lot of good information. Anything else on your mind here before we uh, before we wrap it up as we go into planting season? Um, I, I just uh, wish everybody luck. It's going to be another interesting year, I'm, I'm sure. Um, hopefully, everybody has record crops. Um, I know it feels pretty cold right now here into March, but things can change rather quickly, and we could be planting in two weeks. So, everybody be careful. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely be careful. And, and reminder, there's going to be a lot of equipment on the roads here before too long. So uh, ask folks to pay attention as you're as you're out there on the roads and, and uh, keep your eyes open. And uh, yeah, good luck to everyone for a, a successful planning season. Kevin, thanks again. We will we'll probably bring you back later in the year to see how things are progressing, if that's all right. Thanks, Troy. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Once again, Kevin Gale, uh, regional, regional sales agronomist with AgriGold. Uh, and thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Illinois Agronomy Update. Thank you.